0: This is Chaz Woodson and you're listening to the Going Offside Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Going Offsides podcast. This is episode 34 featuring a very prominent figure in the lacrosse community, Anish Shroff, who is a play-by-play announcer for ESPN and one of the primary voices in lacrosse. We're so thankful to have Anish on today, and before we get into it, let's hear from our sponsor. Anish, how are you? How are you, man?
0: What's happening, guys? How are you?
2: Good, Which, good. Uh, how about yourself? How's everything going?
0: I uh, can't complete, You know, done with football, onto basketball. A little time off, and then diving into lacrosse in a few months. So
1: the first person I messaged, where I thought I was going to definitely get a no or a no response, <laughs> just because it was so early on. But you emailed me back the next day, and you're like, "Listen, when the schedule allows, we'll make it happen." And, and, and
2: we and we are <laughs> extremely appreciative. Thank you so much. Uh,
0: I mean, it's – when I tell you, man, like the last few months, hell on wheels doesn't even begin to explain how crazy football was, man. It's just – we had, I think, by the end of the season, the last game I did was the Gator Bowl on the second. Mm -hmm. And then we had the uh, First Responder Bowl the week before. We were supposed to have the Independence Bowl. That got canceled, and that was – and they put us on another one – that was the sixth game in six of the last eight were canceled. And okay. well, people don't realize, like, oh, so you got the week off. Like, no, man, like those games are getting canceled Thursday. Yeah. You're put- work the entire week the reward is doing the game it is deflating <laughs> it was <laughs> it's it is deflating but that's that's 2020 man so did you have any
2: uh, did you have any instances where you were kind of already in the process of traveling and then got 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 at the last minute saying hey the, the game's a no-go
0: well so for this year uh because i live in charlotte we would do it and so does my analyst. we would do the games at mm-hmm. the studio so we only traveled okay. we did one game at clemson that was it um okay. We were basically doing the game out of the studio, which is ten minutes from my house, so mm-hmm. I, I bad. But I remember this was what mid December. We had uh, it was the Sun Belt Championship, so it's Coastal okay. Carolina, Louisiana yep. tank teams. You know, at that point, there was even a chance the winner of that game plays in the New Year's Six Bowl. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So we talked to Louisiana and their coaching staff Thursday night, probably around six seven o'clock in the evening. They're in Myrtle Beach at the Coastal yep. Carolina. Team hotel, getting ready for the game. Go through all the calls. We have a meeting, and then 10:30 that night, we find out Coastal had a positive test. Contact tracing wiped out an entire position group, and the game was canceled.
2: (laughs) Oh man, yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Just it's tough, man. It's 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 hard. It's hard on the players, hard on the coaches, hard on us. I mean, it just it is what it is. So,
1: I can't imagine it's so stressful like you said you put in all that work and then you're just waiting for it to be taken away at all times it's kind of hard to go all in on any on anything when you're just waiting for it to be taken right out from underneath you so
0: absolutely yeah you don't know you got to be ready so that's uh, i think we only had one week where we had a we had a feeling there wasn't going to be a game and that was probably the only week every other week we probably you know we were at 90 95 of our prep <laughs> when it went away <laughs>
2: So, I mean, that kind of goes right into it. So, I mean, you're talking about your preparation for football and kind of how this year was so different. I mean, um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, us being um, more towards the lacrosse side of things um, and you obviously haven't, you know, you've, you're you one of the main voices for lacrosse. Um, can you go through a little bit about like what your preparation is? I mean, what does your fall look like compared to your spring? I mean, um, just in kind of how lacrosse has changed over the last, you know, decade, you know, 15 years or something like that, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're starting to see a little bit more with like some of those Tuesday games, maybe a midweek game, but really more, especially on the division one side, you're seeing it take more of like a football schedule where teams are playing one game a week. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of that, for, for you to prepare for, say, a Saturday game, is your preparation any different or say the, the call schedule, you know, your availability for uh, the teams that you're you're doing the game for? Um, what's, your, what's your fall look like compared to your spring?
0: Uh, I'm not even close. I mean, fall... Football is a lot of fun and I love doing football mm-hmm. I mean, to, to call games in front of, you know, 80, 90, a hundred thousand people. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that when you can actually be in the arena and hopefully we can get there in 2021 mm-hmm. uh, and the work week for football is so different. We're not married to one conference mm-hmm. or, you know, one set of teams. You're basically getting your schedule week to week. So we, I would do a game on Saturday. I'd find out Sunday, where my next game is. And so you might have Cincinnati and Tulsa one week, and then you got West Virginia, Texas Tech the next week, and Mm -hmm. then Wake Forest, North Carolina. And then you got, you know, Clemson and Boston College. You you just don't know. Yeah. So you kind of have to be global. You kind of have to know the entire sport. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the preparation, getting into the minutia of it. I mean, just, you know, the the amount of time it takes to prep a football game is is insane. I mean, so I'm basically – you know, working seven days a week. If you get repeat teams, you can maybe take a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, I kind of start on Sunday, and then, you know, Monday and Tuesday, I'm getting my player notes and kind of looking at the big picture. What are the teams doing? I'm watching some tape, and then Wednesday, Thursday is kind of my heavy video day mm-hmm. where I'm diving into film, making sure I know all the names and numbers, you know, just have instant recall with that stuff, and then trying to pick out trends, like I'll chart red zone plays and goal line plays. Mm-hmm. And you know, they go five wide from the seven-yard line, I can say, hey, this might be quarterback draw because you've seen it before. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, little things that may pop up once or twice in a broadcast to try to use that. Uh, And then usually we talk to players and and coaches Thursday, Friday. And then, you know, by the time you get to Friday, Friday's kind of a, you know, sort of a low-key day. You're just reading over your notes a few times, you know, Thursday, Friday. And then by the time Saturday rolls around it, I tell people that if the three hours that you're doing the game if that is not the easiest three hours of the week, you haven't done the work.
1: So you're just like a coach then because that's the same thing. If if you practice all week, the game should be the easy part.
0: Right. Like if you've done the work, if you've studied the notes, if you've gotten everything, if you're prepared, you're organized. Then once you get there, now you just kind of rely on your instincts and you let that take over and you call the game and you see what's in front of you and you fit it in the proper context. So football's challenging, man. Football's a long work week. Uh, Lacrosse is a little different because one, we see the same teams every year. So even yeah. though we're mobile and we're calling, you know, um, all the teams, I mean, generally myself, Quentin, Clark you know, we're on the bigger games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the Dukes, it's the Syracuse, it's the Hopkins, yep. it's the Virginia's, I mean, it's the Yales, you know, you kind of have 10, 12 teams that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is, you know, nobody's going pro early. Yep. <laughs> you <can look> right <laughs> yeah, I can always look back to my notes from the year before, mm-hmm. and I have a library of information on a lot of these guys. Yep. And a lot of times you're just going back and you're like, all right, updating some stuff, all right? Delete sophomore, now he's a junior. Yeah. Right. He was 205 last year, now he weighs 211. <laughs> it's 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 a and lot. And even of-
2: and even for the new guys, you you know coming in, hey, who the big freshmen are and everything like that because it's just it's such a it's I mean, it's such so, a niche community.
0: Right, it's a smaller game. So in that way it's easier, but I think what helps us and, and my philosophy with lacrosse is, you know, I treat it differently than I would basketball or baseball or football. And that when you're doing those games, you're not really trying to sell the sport. Mm-hmm. You're not really saying, Hey, let me tell you about this game. That's so awesome. No, people are watching football because they know it's awesome. Yep. People are watching basketball because they like basketball, but we're still trying to grow lacrosse. So you want to, essentially divided by three, right? You want to find, you know, something for the hardcore fan. All right, Mm -hmm. we're going to break down the two-man game at Princeton and the Mm -hmm. Razor, what makes the 10 man ride so good? But now if you're a casual fan who maybe has a kid who plays or or a kid who just started to play and you're Mm -hmm. trying to get more, like that could lose you. So if you go to, as we say, inside baseball, inside lacrosse, you're going to lose two-thirds of the people watching. So now I need something in the middle, just explaining some of the nuances of the rules, Mm -hmm. Um, who these guys are, what are the history of these programs? Mm -hmm. And then I think humanizing, you know, like at the end of the day, sports is a a narrative. It's a drama. Mm -hmm. Putting a two-hour drama, we have to make people care about the guys on the field and on the sidelines. Who's the guy under the helmet? Chris Cloutier wants to start a Um, (laughs) poutinery. Where does Tahoka get all these crazy moves from? And yep. you know, all these different stories, Doc's do doing ballet—that allows the people on the outside to relate with these guys. It takes you under the helmet. Um, I think it helps build um, the characters and the players that we see. So, the one great thing with lacrosse is because it is just such a small world, and I would say the the vast majority of coaches understand that giving us access is a good thing because peel the layers back and take us behind the curtain, the more we're going to talk about your program. And, and there's a few, you know, Lars, Tiffany, John Danowski, Joe Brescia, I mean, like they're great at that. Like, Hey, come hang out with the team, stay in the meeting rooms, come to practice and we'll talk to guys. And that's where we're getting the information that is not readily available. Right. And for lacrosse, because again, I have such a library of information from three, four years on guys. Mm-hmm. What do, you do So going to practice, talking to coaches, talking to players, that's where we kind of try to get you know under the helmet find out who these guys are what makes them tick who are they off the field because uh, at the end of the day like my my philosophy is we can we can make you root for some of these guys if we can um, tell you who they are that makes you want to watch hey i like this guy i like ben reeves because this dude wants to cure cancer
3: yeah right mm-hmm. yeah you
0: know I like Michael Krauss because I remember watching his dad play or, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I like, uh, you know, Nakai Montgomery because um, I knew a kid like that who used to play football and lapsed down to lacrosse. Like wh- whatever the story might be, mm-hmm. you want to give people an entry point into the sport. It's,
1: I think it's funny you say that too, because when I'm watching the game and I consider myself a hardcore fan and I'll hear one of those tidbits like, Hey, Ben Reeves is going to med school. And then I'll I'll look over at my wife as she walks in and she's a casual fan. I'll be like, hey, and she works in medicine. I'm like, hey, this guy is, you know, he's at Yale, he's gonna gonna become a doctor. And then she's like, Oh, really? And then she'll come down and sit down for a second. And so like it just gives like I guess the random people something to latch on to. And even as a hardcore fan, I appreciate still knowing that about these guys, because now we've started to interview a lot of these guys after they graduate from college. And it's like, Hey, I mean, I knew this. I've known this about you for years because I heard it on a broadcast. Like it's, I think it's useful. Not only, like you said, those types of things attract everybody, right? Like even the hardcore guys, maybe the X's nose don't appeal to the newer people, but like, we all appreciate that, but that those kind of in, human interest pieces, those things really pull us in. And it allows us to share that with other people. Cause maybe there's a link, you know, Hey, this guy's brother plays on the Duke football team and mm-hmm. he's going to go transfer and plays fifth year at Syracuse or wherever like that definitely pulls in the casual fan a bit more. So
0: and yeah. sports, you know, sports, all sports are, are a human narrative, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a human story. It's a human, a human struggle. And what's a, what's a drama, right? I mean, that's, that's what you're putting on. I mean, the only thing that's different about watching sports on TV versus a TV show or movie or whatever else that's produced is that you don't know how it ends. You don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen and what's going to unfold. It's not scripted, but it's still very much a drama. So we have to find the elements, right? Like what, what's part of a drama? It's having, you know, your cast of characters. It's yeah. having the you know when John Danowski's telling the stories that he used to be Bill Tierney's bartender. Like I'm using to- <laughs> Yeah. Mm. that's really cool. And mm-hmm. you know, when I hear things about, you know, I did a basketball game a couple of years ago with John Thompson, the third, he used to be the uh, coach at Georgetown before that. he yep. was And we somehow got into the conversation of lacrosse over lunch. He would tell me he would go to Princeton lacrosse practices and he would pick Bill Tierney's brain. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. And he said, Bill used to come watch basketball practice when Pete Carrill, who was the legendary Princeton head coach when he was there. And he goes, I got to know Bill, and he had such a smart sports mind. I started going and watching lacrosse practice, and I would pick up things from lacrosse that I could then use in basketball, and we would sort of uh, trade philosophies, and I said, you know, how interesting, and that is something, again, if you're that casual sports fan, now we've kind of bridged the gap. Hey, this sport isn't as alien Mm -hmm. as you think it might be. Here are the parallels to basketball, and you know, I get a lot of the lax dads like, "Oh, you have to explain every time the ball is shot and it goes over the net and out of bounds." Like, team closest to the ball gets possession. Yes, because you know what? Most of my friends are not in the lacrosse universe, right. and when they're watching, which is usually like championship weekend, quarterfinal, all right, the playoffs, and he's doing it. I'll watch it. I'll support yeah. my friends. You know what? The, like the majority of text I get. Hey, how come when they shoot the ball out of bounds? How come that's not a turnover <laughs> like, <laughs> that is the number one text I get? I get like five of those during the course of the game. So I'd be remiss if I'm not explaining that.
1: Yeah. It's the same thing with the Twarden, right? Every time. Hey, that's the, that's the Heisman trophy of lacrosse and people get all up in arms about it. And I'm like, listen, it, did you know what the hell it was? But when you started lacrosse, like even as a youth player, you didn't know what the Twarden was. Mm-hmm. So don't it's act been like
0: been around for no. 20 years. Yeah, in 2001, yeah. I think was the. First it was season.
1: it was Doug Shanahan. I mean, George
0: that was Shanahan. it. I think it was yeah. it was 2000,
2: 2001, and uh, you know, there there are still awards that people don't even know that you know the, the Player of the Year award. They they don't know the history behind it. I mean, it's just it's uh it's just it's such an interesting thing. I mean, um, yeah,
1: you're you're not doing yeah. it to annoy the lacrosse yeah. fans. You're doing it to educate the people that maybe they just tuned in and they're like, why do they keep using this word Tewarton? and what what are they talking about? you explain it, they know. And now guess what? We have to explain it less and less every year. And it's not, yeah, I I think that one's the funniest one to me because everyone's like, Oh my gosh.
0: The issue is the issue is, so, you know, what I think helps our broadcast more than anything is that myself, Quint and Kark, we all cover other sports. Mm -hmm. I think that's invaluable. You know, Quint does football, Kark does football, Quint does wrestling, Quint does hockey. And so that allows you to step outside of the bubble. But there's a lot of people within lacrosse who are only within lacrosse. That's like Mm -hmm. all they do, 365 days out of the year. So this thing, which is really, again, like even at ESPN, you know, we're a drop in the water, okay? Now, like we pretend when we're doing it, we're the ocean. But like we're a drop in the water. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reality. You know, we're not the NBA. We're not MLB. We're not college football. But I think for the people in that bubble, they sort of feel like it's this huge thing. And how does everybody inside not know everything about it? And we're like, they're like, if you zoom out, like this is, you know, a real small thing. Now, can it get bigger? And does it have potential? Sure. But if you're gonna just use jargon to exclude everybody and, oh, you know, you don't need to explain to Warton and this, like, you're not helping to grow the game. You know, like we're here to educate the fan, like part of covering this sport and doing it justice is growing the game and a lot of that is bs and lip service but i think educating casual viewers educating new viewers people who are coming to this sport and i think there's a lot of them because the sport is growing Mm -hmm. um, especially in the youth ranks you know we can't just leave them out in left field and say yeah you know what you got to learn the terminology you know it's on us to teach you a little bit too
2: and make it more inclusive for everybody. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's part of why you explain the history of the game. And, and, and I think, you know, in the last, you know, five to 10 years with kind of, you know, the, you know, the exposure of the Thompson brothers and everything like that. I mean, it's Waraton has gained an even greater, um, you know, presence in, in the community and people have a greater uh, appreciation for it and everything like that. I mean, it's really, I mean, the big thing, and that's the hot topic right now, making the sport more inclusive, you know, obviously for, for other reasons, but I mean, you can't alienate everybody else because it it really is a special game, but people don't have the opportunity um, to always see that.
0: No, like with the Thompson's, you bring up a great point because the one one area we do get criticized on a lot as well. You guys keep focusing on like this guy. All you do is talk about Pat Spencer, and Michael Sowers. And I said, well, there's a, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Good example, because if you've never watched basketball, okay. Like you'd never watched basketball in your life. And I say, Hey, let's watch an old game. And it's got Michael Jordan. I got a good chance of making you a basketball fan for life. Mm-hmm. Now, if I show you two bad teams with nondescript players, and they go, you know, five for thirty to start the game. You're not watching that sport ever again. Yep. <laughs> and with Lyle, it was a great story. So, you know, a lot of times we'll have producers on our games who will produce other sports, and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily lacrosse guys. So, you know, we kind of help them out. And, mm-hmm. um, a few years ago, when Albany was in the tournament, they were playing Notre Dame in the quarterfinals. I was in the studio with Quint for the first round, uh, for quarterfinals. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, maybe it maybe it's the quarterfinals, and um, we had a producer who was kind of producing our, our studio show that day, and he really didn't know much about lacrosse all week, you know, he was like, hey, Nish, what, what, are, we, what are we looking at here, how should we set this up, what are the stories, and so, you know, he, to his credit, he ran, you know, he, he did his homework, studied it, but, you know, when we have time, well, the games are on, and we're waiting to go on, we're all in the newsroom watching the games, and you had about a dozen people glued to the TV for Lyle Thompson. Whoa, whoa, did you see yeah. that? Oh, man. And I was telling him, like, hey, all week, like, Lyle's the guy we got to highlight. And he's like, man, this kid is awesome. And all of a sudden, you can see what one player can do. Like, mm-hmm. he just made a couple of new fans.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it was the week after. So I think that was the first round. The week after they lose to Notre Dame in the quarterfinals. Yeah. And Notre Dame had that comeback. And he, we're all in there watching again. He's like, "Oh man!" He's like, "I was really hoping they got to the this, this semifinals because that's the guy yep. that I see."
2: And that's and, the birth of the Dane train.
0: And, that, and exactly, it's the birth of the Dane train. But also, like, had already gotten to, the cha- to championship weekend. That is unbelievable. Grow the game potential. Yep, right absolutely, all these people are going to watch, and they're going to be mesmerized by a guy who's basically the Pete Maravich, Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. Magic of lacrosse.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: it's it's very fair. (laughs) I mean, mean, he
2: truly was, he truly is a transcendent player. I mean, when people always bring him up, I think about, you know, for me, I mean, obviously it's Lyle, but I I also, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older, but I think of Mikey Powell, like there hasn't been too many players for me who can do that. I mean, it was like, you know, in, in a lot of sports, whenever you turn on the game, like Michael Jordan was must see TV for me, it was Mikey Powell whenever he was on. I, I was glued to the TV and it was the same thing. Like for a guy like Lyle, like now you got Pat Spencer, Michael Sowers, like those guys, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, a- as time has progressed, you know, the level of play has just grown tremendously. And now you've kind of seen like somewhat of a leveling out of the talent across the board, especially at the division one level.
1: So let me, let me use that as a perfect transition talking about Mikey Powell. So you Anish, you were, a, you were a you're a grad, right? Broadcast journalism. And if I'm correct, you were there pretty much right after Mikey Powell graduated or didn't graduate, but was at Cuse, correct? So in that time frame,
0: my four years coincided with Mikey Powell's four years. Okay. I had a front row seat for four years to Mikey Powell.
1: Perfect. And so when you, so you grew up in New Jersey, right? So when you attended Syracuse, what was kind of your lacrosse knowledge or your exposure to lacrosse to that, to that point?
0: We had one day in gym class, my <laughs> senior year of high school, where uh, our gym teacher brought out plastic lacrosse sticks and wiffle balls mm-hmm. and said, this is a lacrosse stick. This is how you hold it. This is how you throw it. This is how you catch it. We did that for about 15 minutes and that was it.
1: Okay. So limited to say the least. And yeah, um, pretty about about zero. Zero. yeah so, but you're at Syracuse. And so obviously broadcast journalism is a big major. And I assume with lacrosse being so big at That at some point you're there, you're studying, and lacrosse obviously has to be something that you familiar familiarize yourself
0: with, correct? Kind of, yes. Essentially, the college radio station I worked at up there, WAER, the neat thing about that place was we would cover every home and away game
3: Mm -hmm.
0: for football, men's basketball, and men's lacrosse. So when you're a freshman, you kind of start out as a writer and you're not even on the air. And so when you get to be, you know, a junior and a senior and you want to be doing these games like that's a big appeal. I mean, at the time football was in the Big East. Shoot, the first mm-hmm. football game I went to at the Dome, Michael Vick was playing for Virginia yeah. Tech. And okay. Dwight Freeman was back four and a half times. I mean, um, <laughs> um, basketball, my junior year, Carmelo Anthony's. Yep. Name, the, won the national Championship, so, yeah. so, you know, you kind of have that backdrop. And so for me, again, hey, I want to do football games. I want to do basketball games. And everybody at the station said, yeah, you want to do football and basketball? Learn lacrosse.
3: <laughs> okay,
0: Because that will be your first chance to probably do a game. So learn lacrosse. And I took that to heart. So my freshman year, I went to a Barnes & Nobles and I bought this Bob Scott lacrosse book.
1: Lacrosse one, and- well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have it.
0: I have it. Yeah, you're know exactly what I'm talking about. And I remember finding it last year in my bookshelf and I was like looking through and you should have seen some of the stuff i highlighted and underlined <laughs> the most I mean, basic the things, stuff like yeah, yeah like, like basic stuff like uh there's three defensemen on a field at the same time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the goalie stick is different than everybody else's like i mean real fundamental basic oh, stuff yeah. you know this is the restraining area this is the face-off circle and you know this is the crease and, and some of the notes that i made i was like man i really knew zero but mm-hmm. what i did i started going to a lot of high school games. And so in central New York, you got West Jenny Mm, and and, and Liverpool. CNS
2: CNS is right there.
0: Yeah. Outside of Long Island and and the Chesapeake area, the Baltimore metro area, it's one of the biggest hotspots. So all of a sudden you're going to these games and then like, you see these guys a few years later, pop up at Georgetown and Syracuse or some of these D2 schools or Ivy league schools. And all right, like you're watching a high level of high school lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I started going to games And the first game that I attended as a fan uh, my freshman year just to watch Mikey Powell in person was mesmerizing. And and I I say this with all honesty, you know, why we sell the stars. I'm probably not here talking to you guys. I'm probably not involved in lacrosse, if not for Mikey Powell, because that was the guy who made me make that jump from I'm covering this game and I'm learning about it. I'm following it because I have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because i want to do other things too this is a pretty cool game i really like it and this guy powell again um when i was at syracuse there was dwight freeney there was carmelo anthony but mikey powell is probably the best all-around player um mm-hmm. in all sports that i saw in my four years there it's um, quite a
1: mount rushmore of uh syracuse me. athletes just during your four years
0: <laughs> yeah but, but but i mean you know like I, keep I mean, it was just mike powell what he did over four years was incredible and every time you watched him it was something new and you know, the moves that he would make where he would take a guy, you know, behind the cage from GLE and, you know, kind of do his little shake. And he'd, he'd break his ankles and then he would wait for him to get back up. Mm-hmm. And then- and, then
2: and that round. was, and, and there was something about that old turf at Cuse that just made him seem like he was just, I mean, he was faster than everybody and quicker, but I mean, there was just something about that old turf at Cuse that just made it seem like he was just, he was just a step ahead of everybody. Like it was just like
0: was playing chess and it was, yeah. it
2: was
0: as if, you know, Hey, I, you know, like if you watch the Queens gambit recently, like, yep. you know, it's all playing out on the ceiling, mm-hmm. but you're seeing it before it happens and he knows the defender is toast. And I always remember that second time he would break his ankles and he just broke the dude's spirit. Like,
3: yeah.
0: where that guy knows I have no shot here. And they'd slide quick to him and he'd find Mike Springer or Josh yeah, right. Oh, I mean, he was unstoppable. And um, that guy made me a fan of the sport. And that was where it changed, where then it was, all right, I, I really like watching this team and this player and, you know, by the time I, I kind of continued my evolution learning before, sport, then you start learning about the nuances and now you're invested. And so mm-hmm. I'm asking better questions and, hey, you know, all right, when you invert, you know, what does that mean? Why do you do it? And, um, you know, why do you put short sticks on, on, on the wings of a face-off? Why do you long, put long poles on the wings of the face-off? Um, you, you know, you're just kind of learning about different nuances, when to go into a 10-man ride, uh, you know, just... It, it, and and you know like the, the things with the two man games and yep. by the time I was a senior you know I could have these conversations where even though I never played the game didn't know anything about it it's like dude I, I I had a pretty proficient understanding of it and then I kind of just you know sort of casually followed it um, you know for several years after um, I still paid attention to it so um, being at Qs with Mikey Powell man um, you know if it was just kind of a a regular team and a regular guy not a transcendent player who knows but mm-hmm. um, thankfully it worked out the way it did
1: that's fine I mean that's such a cool story to hear because I don't think anybody would associate you directly when they have turn on the game with Mikey Powell so I think that'll be a really cool you know little piece for people to, to take from this um so you said you followed the sport for a couple of years casually but you know obviously you weren't big into lacrosse like from a day-to-day basis and a professional basis after college. At what point did you start covering lacrosse again?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I worked on the West coast for a couple of years um, out of college and, and it just wasn't very big there. But right. um, I remember actually doing a story on a club team out at central Washington university um, on lacrosse. And I remember when I was talking to a lot of those guys and, you know, I mentioned that I had gone to Syracuse first thing out of their, did you watch Mikey Powell play? Yeah. And, <laughs> it was almost like I had shaken Sinatra's hand, Yeah. you know, like, wow, like you, you, you watch Mikey Powell plan. I was like, yeah. And like, they had all these questions for me. I'm like, I'm here to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, you know, so I'm like on the West coast. So, you know, when was lacrosse on back then It's 2005, 2006, 2007. And, you know, you're not really getting it on TV. So I'm, I'm watching the tournament, you know, I'm watching the championship weekend. That's about it. Um, when I moved back, I, I moved back East to take a job in Syracuse. You know, then obviously I'm plugged into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't there for very long. And then I got to ESPN. And um, I remember just talking to a few people out there. And when we were doing our championship weekend coverage, just expressed interest. Like, hey, you know, I, I follow the sport. I know a lot about it. Would, would love to get involved. And like, oh, you want to host the championship weekend? And so 2010, <laughs> um, 2000, yeah, I guess this would have been 2010, um, early that year, I was down in Charlotte. I am still living in Bristol. I was down in Charlotte for National Signing Day for football, helping out in recovery, mm-hmm. and met a guy by the name of John Vassallo in a hallway. And he was in charge of a lot of the remote productions down at ESPNU. And uh, he was the guy who oversaw college lacrosse. And so we're just talking, and he said, Yeah, I know you're a studio guy, and you're, you know, Sports Center and ESPN News, and College Football Live. You know, you ever do games? And I said, oh, You know, I have in college, and I've, I've done football and basketball and baseball uh you know i've done some lacrosse just kind of threw it out there he's oh you've done some lacrosse he goes <laughs> he's like yeah Can yeah, could always use another lacrosse guy and half jokingly i said well you know if somebody calls in sick <laughs> I'm gonna it. and he says oh, hey listen yeah i'd be happy to give you a shot you want to do a game and i was like yeah sure and i said hey I'll, I'll follow up with you so i followed up i got it cleared from my bosses in bristol and they put me on a notre dame georgetown game wow uh, and so we go down to D.C., Notre Dame, Georgetown. I had about a month to prepare. Basically knew like everybody's grandmother at that yeah, point. I bet. It was one of Dave Urick's last teams. It was like Anthony mm-hmm. Brontaccio, Scott Kosas, you know, yep. Scotty Rodgers. Rogers, was the Rogers is in game. goal.
2: Yeah, they're wearing the old funky helmets. Yeah, yep.
0: And so I remember coming away from that game, and, you know, it, was, it had been a minute since I'd done a lacrosse yep. game you know, all things considered, um, thought it went okay. You know, I'd probably look at it now and say, boy, boy, that was terrible. But based on the one lacrosse game, they gave me, you know, some football games down the road. And then they asked me to host, um, you know, the championship weekend coverage. And that was the first time I worked with Kark. We're in the studio and we're watching Duke, Virginia, like that 2010 semifinal, which still one of the best games in the last, you know, 30 years, <laughs> um, you know, when, uh, Quinzani scores off the mm-hmm. karate, you know, you got karate and Clawson. I, mean, yep. <laughs> I mean, it was just an amazing ending. And both of those teams were so loaded. Um, and then, you know, you have the Notre Dame game, uh, on Monday, you know, where, where Costabile wins, where
2: Costabile wins it. Yeah.
0: Man, I really want to, I'd really like to do more games. And then next year it was, Hey, can you do a couple of regular season games and can you do a first round game? And then, um, you know, John Visala, the guy I was telling you about, um, you know, convinced me, hey, why don't you move down to Charlotte? If you want to do this play-by-play thing, we'll grow you and we'll get you involved in other sports and could do lacrosse. And so, kind of changed the arc of my career from being a studio host, studio anchor, to
3: mm-hmm.
0: a play-by-play guy. And then, um, you know, gradually, they just kind of upped my inventory on the lacrosse side and, and it's turned into this, um, but it's it's been neat. So, you know, it's probably been, yeah, like I've been doing lacrosse games now at ESPN for 10 years, but lacrosse opened up all the other sports. I mean, that was my gateway drug. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, hey, the one lacrosse game led to football and football led to basketball, basketball led to, you know, baseball, and little league. And um, it's been, it's been rewarding. I mean, that, it, it's opened up a lot of doors.
1: I, I have to ask, cause I think everybody wants to know, you know, you mentioned Kark and then eventually Quint. What, I mean, what's the dynamic there behind the scenes? Like, <laughs>
0: and and listen
2: I know Kark a little bit um, my former assistant like lived, lived with him in the summers he actually played at Albany with the Thompsons um, so I've interacted with him quite a bit guy's got a memory like no one I've ever met in my life um, but yeah I I'm, I'm dying to know what that's like I mean you got a Yorktown guy um, you've got a Long Island guy and and you're kind of the the guy in the middle between
0: those two it's funny because um the dynamic <laughs> dyna- the dynamic works because we're all weird like mm-hmm. okay. in, in our own in our own way mm-hmm. uh, clearly like quint is miles ahead of us on the <laughs> spectrum i mean that's not even close he's a goalie he is he's a different cat he's a contrarian um, he likes pushing our buttons we like pushing his but I-, I realized this you know i didn't really know quint too well until i started working with him on like our first round coverage, and I think it was 2011 or 2012. We're in the studio for the first round. That was like my first time really working with him, and I just kind of seen him on TV. I, I had kind of an impression of him of like this guy found super tight, really uptight, like very intense. And um, there, there, there was a lot of that that was true. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's how he looks at the camera, like he's mad at it, and
0: just like this, you know, guy like weird mismatched dresser. Like I didn't really know what that was about. And it might have been the year after. So then, you know, we worked together. We got into a good rhythm, and I actually like working with him. Um, I mean, because the, the guy prepares, dude, and he knows, yeah. and he knows a lot of stuff, and um, he cares about the game, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot to advocate and grow this game. And the year after, um, we're in the studio waiting, and I remember like my Twitter was blown up. And I don't really usually check Twitter during a broadcast a whole lot, but it was. What is Quint wearing? Like, what is up with this time? <laughs> and then, like who dressed him? Like the three blind mice? Like what, you know? And so like I gotta address this, right? Like this is the elephant in
3: yeah. the room. <laughs>
0: so like we're in a commercial break. Said, Q man, what where did you get that tie from? And he goes, oh, I got this, uh, I got this from the boys Latin Lost and Found. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I told him. So like Steve's the wheels start turning in my head. So we get back on camera coming out of a break. And the first thing I say, I go, in case you're all wondering, Quint got <laughs> die from the boys, Latin lost and found. I
1: swear this sounds so familiar to me because I remember <laughs> laughing about something with Quint and his wardrobe. So this is quite possibly the exact same moment.
0: And, and he looks at me and like, there is like a WTF. Like you did not just say that. on <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I said, You know, I forget what I said to follow up with that, but he was like shell-shocked for like a few seconds. He was like, hey, what's what's they they, they, leave a lot of good toys there. A lot lot, lot of good toys there. uh, Might as well put them to good use. And all of a sudden, it was like a moment that people gravitated toward. And I don't know if you guys listen to Howard Stern much. Um, What I think has made that show super successful over the years is they do what we all talk about in radio and TV, which is, oh, imagine if we can tell you what goes on behind the scenes. Yep. Imagine if we can tell you how the food is made. Imagine if we could take you into the kitchen. Yep. And they do that. And They do that in a way nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Like everybody who has an on-air presence on that show, you know, their private laundry is exposed. Yep. You know, their personal life is exposed. But that's how you connect with them. That's what makes the show So intimate in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, they've got their jokes and it's raunchy and all that stuff. But they take all the stuff that you supposedly can't talk about behind the scenes and they bring it out on the air. And that was kind of a moment for me, like, all right, if the three of us ever work together, maybe this is a way to connect with fans, connect Mm -hmm. with her where let's bring people behind the curtain. Hey, Nish can't swim. Like this dude had floaties in the Dead Sea. Kark wears capri pants and goes to the (laughs) Lulu. And, and, <laughs> and you know quick rips out pieces of like scrap paper and turns them into pocket squares before the game <laughs> and so, every week like the three of us are friends like we're on a text yeah. we communicate throughout the year you know like i mean almost i would say off season at least you know like once a week once every couple of weeks and then in season like almost daily you know yeah. and even now like almost every other day so all three of us are friends, like, mm-hmm. you know, got to know each other's families. I mean, it, it, so that means like when you're busting balls and you're making fun of each other, you can do it. And, and there's no yeah. hard feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we felt like this was an important part of our dynamic. We would be remiss if we did not bring that to the air, you know, because again, that's also part of selling the game. It's the three of us being idiots and having fun and not taking yeah too seriously. We felt like this, this, you know, it, it's not like a self promotional thing, but it's, I, I think people like, understand like, Hey, like when you guys are on a game, you know, it, it, you're peeling back the curtains a little bit. Yeah. We're, we Know who each of us is. And if we're going to be, you know, voices of the sport, then I, I think you have to connect and you can't just have a barrier up and we're just going to call the game. Like, let's make it fun. Let's make it intimate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's you know, kinda of how it started. But yeah, like all of us are weird. We all have to work. We all
3: have <laughs>
0: asked the other two guys, ah, niche does this and like, yeah, his routine before the game or whatever. Like, you know, Kark is, you know, like this and, and, and Quint, you know, will get so intense and just like lock in and, you know, we'll start talking and it's funny. Like we do impressions of Quint, you know, like we said, Duke and Hey, Q. What do you think of Duke? And he's like, well, you know, you know, Duke. Uh, you know, you know, J.T. Giles, Harris, uh, Kate Van Rapport, uh Kai Montgomery. Uh, you know, uh, Quigley, and like he'll just start rattling off names, <laughs> and tarp <like, laughs> <and dogs laughs> will give him crap about it. So, like, there's this um, no holds bar. It's like a, it's like a constant, just busting of chops, and oh, that stuff goes off off the field as much as it goes on on the air, and that's kind of what's made it lacrosse fun to broadcast. Like, I don't think it would be as fun without those two guys. Well, and you can
2: kind of see it. I mean, you're talking about all these things. I think, you know, um, you know, the relationship you guys have developed, you know, off camera, you know, it carries over on camera and it's, it's become more of somewhat like a family, right? You would say like these people, these guys have become a part of your life. You're all a part of each other's lives. And it's, uh, you know, like you've let people behind the curtain a little bit. And, and, you know, just from my standpoint, I can't speak for anybody else, but it keeps people wanting to come back for more. You're telling a story, right? Um, So yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that 100%.
0: You're like, you're telling a story. And also, I think, you know, when the joke is too inside, and nobody's in on it, it doesn't land. Yeah. But if you can let everybody else in on the joke, then they feel like they're a part of something too. And so um, do we probably take it too far sometimes yeah absolutely I mean you know if the game is going off the rails like if it's 15 to 5 like we are definitely liable to go off the rails and make yeah it
1: like- <laughs> it's, it's so funny you say that
0: but it, you know it's kind of like all right like you know what you're signing up for so um and from our perspective all right like this game is over what are you watching for now like you're watching for us making fun a quick yeah, of
1: Quinn. yeah. Well, it's funny you say that too, because there, there's two things that I noticed during your broadcast, and one of them is like what you just said. There were a few times where I looked around the room, and I was sitting there by myself. I was like, "What are these guys talking about anymore?" Because when they that's that swimming thing you mentioned, I don't know. I think it's it's coming back to me. I think they posted a picture of you on your trip too, and or at least of the black sea. And I was like, I remembered that they made that joke about you.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: yeah. the other thing that you mentioned is when it gets too inside. I, or when it gets too intense with Quint, I have heard Clark kind of disagree with Quint and then it gets real awkward for a second (laughs) and then everyone's just kind of quiet for a second. And then you kind of come in all smooth and suave and just go right back to the game. Like nothing (laughs) ever happened. And I just, I think I really appreciate that because like you said, when, when the games go in and you know, lacrosse can do that a lot of times, like there are those games where that's just like a 10 goal game. And it's like, okay, you know. You can't just call it the same way like you're gonna lose people and so i appreciate the fact that you guys recognize that maybe not consciously but subconsciously and you're just like all right let's let's get into it a little bit let's poke some fun let's work the crowd a little bit even though it's just the three of us in here and i think you know as a fan and as a as a viewer i think it's incredible
0: well what you brought up you know when kark and Quint go back and forth those are probably my favorite moments (laughs) during the game because and this is, I'm being honest here, you know, you, you can't do that um, with every analyst, um, even in other sports, you, you really like, that's the one thing people don't realize. Well, like w- what is good chemistry on the air? Good chemistry on the air is good chemistry off the air. Mm-hmm. You don't have that comfort level and you challenge your analyst on the air. And I'll challenge but I'll challenge Quinn. I will challenge each other. If there is an inferiority complex, jealousy, or, Hey, are you trying to throw me under the bus? Um, that can get really awkward really quickly. And so you kind of need to have. Um, hold on one second. My, my daughter wants to say goodnight. No problem. <laughs> Hi, good night. Way past your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, to me, you know, that by <laughs> um, one of the cool things is like when you have the relationship that the three of us do, you can do that, and there's no hard feelings. Like, I go, like, oh, you really believe that? You, come on, you you think they're going to win this game? You, uh, you, you think they should really be, you know, inverting here? You know, you mm-hmm. think they should be playing this guy right now? You know, why, why would you jump into the 10-man right now? Like, whatever that is. And somebody else, like well like, what, are, you, are you questioning me on this? Right. But with, like, you can do that. And, like, to me, like, I like sometimes being the instigator, too.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <laughs> like to so, stir the pot.
0: And then it's like, all right, let me poke the bear a little more. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, know? yeah. Well, I I feel like what you just mentioned happens a lot in basketball because they get a lot of these big name guys that have this huge resume either as a player or a coach to to do some commentating and some color. And then you have like these guys that are like play-by-play guys. That's what they do. But they're not as well known in like the basketball circles. And like they're afraid to say something that disagrees or is just different or like you can hear in their voice when they say it. They're like, is this – am I going to get reamed for saying this? Like you're a legend and if I – I'm not. And so, like, I'm glad it's not like that with lacrosse. And, you know, I think what you guys do so well is, is, like you said, if you're going to be the voices of lacrosse, you got to, you know, do your best to up the game and make it attractive. And I think that's something that you guys definitely do. And and I think I speak for everybody, like, I don't know about you, Ryan, but our listeners, I think we really appreciate that. So, thank you very much for that.
0: Oh, we appreciate it. I mean, it's – you can't fake authenticity. Like, we all oh. like the People always ask me, is lacrosse your favorite sport? No, it's not. It's not my favorite sport. Like, it, it, it can't be. Like, I didn't come to it until mm-hmm. I was 18. But mm-hmm. do I like it? Yes. Do I love it? Yes. Like, um, do I enjoy calling a lacrosse game? Yes. And, and I think that is – we're also kind of allowed by ESPN in some ways to just sort of have a blank canvas. Yeah.
3: Like,
0: some of the stuff that we do in lacrosse, I don't know if I could get away with in football.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, and I think that's, that, fair. that's what makes it unique like that's what that's like to me in the spring it's kind of like the cherry on the cake like all right yeah. now like I this job and not that you know football isn't fun or basketball isn't fun but there is kind of a a regimen to it there is a, a, a rigor to it with lacrosse like you can kind of let your hair back you can kind of have fun and um, have more fun I should say and you can just do it in a different way and for for the three of us and, and i can speak for myself especially it's kind of like a canvas where like mm-hmm. i can experiment and i'll try stuff just from a storytelling broadcasting point of view and if it works then i'll see if i, I can apply it to football and basketball right. and other sports doesn't work doesn't work mm-hmm. um but it's kind of become like this little like you know boiler room this little experiment it's like your little
2: laboratory
0: it is yeah and, and um I think fans have kind of taken the, to that, too, that they appreciate us trying new things because it's so easy to kind of just treat that sport. You know, we don't have all the resources we do for other sports. It's so right. easy to treat it as just, all right, let's get on the air and, you know, do stuff. Like, Kark, the stuff he does with his hair cutting. And yep. the car ride and, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes. That we put together. Like, I, I, a lot of times, like, we're editing this stuff, like, me and Kark, like, in a hotel room at 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, we usually have somebody to do that in other sports yeah right. never us right um but it's tell you, what can we do like we did something that i don't know if you guys remember this we had a game at notre dame a few years ago and it was me and kark and, and quint was doing hockey somewhere and he had written something about the notre dame bagpiper. Mm-hmm. basically like saying this kid was terrible like <laughs> ripping- <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it inside inside cross column like dude he's like a kid like he's playing the bagpipe he yeah had- like tear him. And I'm like texting him and he was like, well, he, he, you know, you're going to be in that role, you got to know. Like, like, <laughs> so, Put the target on his back. So dark and I are like, you know, we, we got to have fun with this and Quint's not here. So like I have like old Johns Hopkins lacrosse hat. I took that with me and the kid, oh God, I'm trying to remember his name. I, I can't remember his name right now. I uh, hope he's not listening. <laughs> but it, they were cool with letting us go to the house and like, hey, we're going to like film something fun. Like, hey, where's Quint, mm-hmm. right? So, like, we staged this whole, like, mini, I don't know, short, if you want to call it. Yep. And so it started, like, the Johns Hopkins hat. Like, we pull into the driveway, and there's, like, a Johns Hopkins hat. I like,
2: remember this. Yeah. Hey,
0: is this Quinn's hat? Yeah, I don't know. Then we knock the door like, hey, guys, come on in. Like, hey, have you guys seen Quint anywhere? No, we haven't seen him. And we did this whole thing where, like, he had, like, an enemies list, and it was just, like, Quint's name yep. time. And we, hey, Quint wanted you to have this. And, uh, it's a signed picture. And he, like, put something on it, like, on a <laughs> um and then we we had heather lee who is one of our uh uh associate producers we had her in the trunk of the car <laughs> <laughs> and we had the kid drive off like hey did you hear that and like we had some we had some fun with it and so you know we edited that whole thing like in kark's hotel room to like 1 30. oh moon.
2: my gosh First
0: very amateur hour yeah probably but i think people appreciated the effort no like, that's
2: amazing I,
0: you know, and it was like, hey, like, where did Quint go? You know, and so it, I don't know. Like, that's the stuff that we can do in lacrosse. When any mm. other sport, I would have been like, what are you guys doing? You guys are, you guys are buffoons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, because it hasn't, it hasn't been around as long. You know, the production isn't like, this is how we do it. And we don't differ from this. Like, this is just the way it is.
0: No, there's no rules. Like, we, right, that's, yeah. like there's no rules. There's no lines. It's not, hey, color within these lines. It's no, like, color on the walls if you want.
1: So, speaking of shorts and speaking of carts. What are the chances that Kark has ever tried to cut your hair?
0: Uh, he has not, but I've been growing out my hair since March.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's glorious. Oh, we, we saw the – It's good, yes. yeah.
0: Right now, man, like this is – I got a little clean up on the back end. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I might give him a shot this spring. I might give him a shot. I mean, you are have you, to film you, it. You, you have to film
2: you, it like yeah. it's one of his little segments. That's got to be – uh, you do that for a fundraiser.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Like, we, like we've had, I mean, it was funny because I was going to get it cut before football started and then everybody's like, yeah, don't cut it. Don't cut it. My wife's like, yeah, I kind of like it long. I mean, all right, well, if you like it long, fine. So <laughs> um, we decided to keep it. And then like my boss is on football. Like, hey man, I'm digging the hair. I'm like, all right, you guys are cool with it. You're not.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now yeah. it's staying. Like I'm saving so much money on haircuts. Like no, <laughs> I believe it. You know, I used to get my haircut every two and a half weeks. I get my haircut, you know, once every two and a half months now and then then the lacrosse community get in so i'm getting like texts from like people from all over like all right well if you kept it through football season like you know you're an a-hole if you don't keep it through lacrosse man. <laughs> Like, you have flow like lacrosse deserves to see the flow mm-hmm. so all right I, I don't know if it's gonna be forever because i won't lie maintenance is hard man yeah like, oh, it's terrible like, that hair I can like i you know, see
1: around. it now championship weekend the car cark getting the haircut
0: it, Maybe. Uh, that's a good idea. I like that. Maybe Champ Weekend. Maybe Champ oh, my Weekend. God. If this
1: happens uh, now, I'm going to be fanboying so hard. <laughs> it would be amazing. Are you I'd kidding I like me? this was my idea. It was on the podcast.
2: <laughs> well, they'll get it trending on Twitter. Exactly. It'll, be all, it'll, it'll be all over oh, we the can raise
1: community so much community. Like we can raise like a that. ton of money. You just name your charity. We'll make it happen. Um,
0: yeah, uh, I'm, I'm down.
1: And then one question that uh, we've been starting to ask people is, you know, what's one thing people don't know about you that you wish people did know about you?
0: Oh, man, you know, that's a good question. Because
1: um, being a public figure, people just kind of assume they know you just based on what they see. But, you know, that's not always fair. And, you know, people like to share a little extra.
0: Yeah, you, you know what, you know, I would say probably the biggest thing is like, um, even though we're so public by, by doing what we do, um, I've always really hated defining myself. Um, by what I do for a living, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, you know, I've kind of always just, uh, if you guys know my backstory at all, you know, mm-hmm. I was really young when I lost my mother. Mm-hmm. She was at 46, I was 17 at the time. And so I'm just kind of very, you're just very aware of like, hey, life is short yeah. and yeah, every moment counts. You don't know when that, that next moment will be taken away from you. And what are really like the important things? And so like for me, it's like family. It's like, you know, being around for my daughter, being around for my wife, like being a good husband, being a good father. Um, And at the end of the day, like if I fail at my job, but I succeed at those other things, I'm content with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it it is a business where a lot of people's self-worth and personal identity is tied to their job. Mm -hmm. and, and And I'd be lying if I said, you know, there wasn't a point in my life where I looked at my job and my self-worth through the prism of what I did for a living I don't anymore and that's probably been like in the last 10 years or so I think a big change and probably for the better it's given me just more perspective on like what matters and you know like funny like people are like oh you know like what do you you know people tweet at you this and then like like you know I, I go home to like you know family that I love like at the end of the mm-hmm. day like oh I care with some stranger things you know Not exactly like, right it's you know so that would probably be the one thing like i identify as a lot of things before i identify as a broadcaster if if that makes sense makes a
1: hundred percent hundred percent sense that's really great um you know anish we really appreciate your time and joining us on the podcast i know you're incredibly busy yeah
2: thank you so much it's been awesome chopping it up with you um can't was, thank you enough it was nice
1: to get outside of the normal routine of of pro players and college coaches and and see behind you know behind the camera a little bit or in front of the camera in your case so uh, really appreciate your time and i can't wait to hopefully have a very eventful spring full of exactly your right yes yeah. sir
0: it was a lot of fun appreciate it guys thank you very much thank you again cool oh, man
1: Hey everybody a quick reminder if you want to support us or just support lacrosse in general go to laxallstars.com goingoffsides going where you can get discounts at the LAS store and, and plenty of other places.